holidays can bring a wide range of emotions. From joy and happiness to loss and loneliness. This Christmas, tis the season to experience less of the chaos and more of the comfort, hope, love, and joy available to you. All right, hello City First. Come on, put your hands together. Welcome everybody joining us at all locations. It is good to see all you all. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we are just, uh, I mean, weeks away from Christmas, and this is one of my favorite times of year. How many of you, by upraised hand, you say that you really enjoy the Christmas season? Put your hands up, right? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Christmas is a holiday that we celebrate for an entire month. It's the only holiday that we celebrate for an entire month, and the whole world does. And in fact, billions of people set aside their busy schedules and their normal routines, and they decorate their homes. Some of you started super early decorating your homes, like before Thanksgiving, like around the 4th of July or something like that. You know, uh, you, you send out Christmas cards, you buy gifts, um, you go to parties, you attend Christmas services, you watch Christmas TV specials, and some of you will even get in cars and minivans and on planes, and you will go long distances to be with family and friends for Christmas. And, and I'll tell you, when Christmas comes to town, you can't miss it. Um, you cannot ignore it. It is there, and it is there for the celebration. And for many of us, though, I realize Christmas can become a time of stress or a little bit of exhaustion. You know, it's kind of like, oh, God, help me to make it through Christmas. So today we are beginning a new series called Tis the Season. And when I say that, some of you are thinking, well, tis the season for the Christmas party at the company that I really don't want to go to that party because it's super awkward. Or, or you know, uh, tis the season for trying to find all the gifts and make sure that they're shipped on time. Or tis the season for racking up credit card debt. Or tis the season for those awkward conversations around the dinner table with extended family about politics, right? That's always fun. In fact, I thought I'd help you. As your pastor, I thought I'd help you with that moment. Like if you are, you know, going to be going to Christmas dinner and there are people that are in your family that don't, uh, you know, maybe see eye to eye with you politically or whatever, I thought I'd give you a gift, that, that something that you could purchase that will just bless that moment, all right? And so I thought this would be what some of you could wear. You could wear this sweater right here, unvaccinated and ready to talk politics at Christmas, all right? That, that would be good. Or for those of you that are on the other side of the spectrum, you could wear this one, vaccinated and boosted and ready to talk politics at Christmas, you know? And, and I'll tell you, um, it will not be a silent night and it will not be a holy night, but it sure will make a memory. Let me just say. <laughs> well, let's look at the original uh, Christmas for a moment because it really was a silent and a holy night. And, and you know what? That, that moment that we now call Christmas uh, ushered in immeasurable love and joy and peace and hope and celebration and eventually celebration of salvation, that we could experience salvation. And so let's take a moment and let's look at the events of that holy night. We're going to read this scripture probably multiple times this month, uh, individually as well as a church. And it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, that that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, turn to the person next to you and say, suddenly, 
So unexpectedly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified, as you and I would be also. And the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Can I tell you that the Christmas story still is for us today, 2,000 years later, that even in 2021, I want to tell you, because Jesus is here, we don't have to be afraid. All right, you hear that? And basically, the angel went on and said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Then suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven, and peace. Again, how many of you could use the Christmas miracle of peace in your life, right? Not just in our world, but personally on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The angel announced the greatest gift ever to be given was being given that night that we now call Christmas, and that is the gift of a Savior. In fact, one of the versions of the Bible reads this way, a rescuer born for you. A rescuer, a Savior. Like, why do we need, why do we need a rescue? Why do we need a Savior? Well, many people think, well, I need a rescue from my circumstances, Maybe the hardships, maybe it's, you know, something that is with your job or you're not happy with the government or you're not happy with, you know, your finances or your relationships have tension in them or or maybe even your physical body right now has sickness or the pace of your life is is somewhat, you know, sustainable. And, And so because of that, you're going, God, rescue me from my circumstances. And then there's others of us that are listening today, and you're like, my circumstances are good. In fact, you know what? I, I have a great career. Um, I have some money. My marriage is healthy. Uh, you know, I have great friends. And, and yeah, sometimes life is tough, but guess what? So am I. And so therefore, life is good. So what do I really need saving from? Those are good questions, you know? Can God save me from my circumstances, or what do I need saving from? Well, let me start out by saying this, and it may make you kind of scratch your head a little bit, but God did not send Jesus to save us from our circumstances. And I'm going to say again, God did not send Jesus at Christmas to save us from our circumstances. I I, I know that some of you are like going, well, wait a minute, wait, I, I want to be saved from my circumstances. But that was not the primary reason for Christmas. The primary reason that we need a savior, we need a rescuer, is we need to be saved from ourselves. Do you understand that? And and we need to be saved from us. And I'll explain a little bit of that more in a moment here. But in 2004, during the Summer Olympics in London, England, there was an individual by the name of Matt Emmons, and he was a, uh, basically an air rifle competitor who was representing the USA, represented our country. And so there was this kind of three-stage competition where uh, he would have to shoot the rifle, and, and basically you first start on your stomach in that position and shoot and try to hit the bullseye. Then you go to a knee, and then the last part of the competition is that you stand and you shoot. And again, it's a long distance, and you try 
try to hit the bullseye. And again, whatever country, whatever sharpshooter gets closest to the bullseye wins the gold. And he was basically not only favored, but he was most likely the best marksman out of the entire competition in the world. And all you do is you hit the bullseye. Now, that sounds pretty easy, but um, it's really not. If, if you are a sharpshooter, you, you know that it requires discipline. You have to, like, train yourself to breathe a certain way because every time you take in a breath, you could raise and lower the sight of your gun, and it could be, you know, inches off by the time it hits the target. Also, you have to train yourself that you actually pull the trigger in between heartbeats. So, so you actually train your body to slow down your heartbeats, and then in between heartbeats, you pull the trigger because even a heartbeat can, like, move the gun enough where you would miss the bullseye. And so this takes a lot of skill, and, and he had already done the first two positions on his stomach and on his knee and already hit the bullseye. He was already ahead of the rest of the competition. All he had to do was hit the target for the third shot, just hit the target, and he'd win the gold. He was that far ahead. So he stood up. He actually aimed. He quieted himself between heartbeats, pulled the trigger, and hit a bullseye. But here's the problem. Unbeknownst to him, he was aiming at the target in the lane next to him and not at his target. So he hit the target, hit the bullseye in the wrong lane. So therefore, received zero points for that part of the competition. And instead of winning the gold, he came in eighth place and didn't win a medal. Matt Emmons missed the mark. And it's heartbreaking to think that you're aiming at the right target, but in the end you find out that you missed the mark. You were aiming at the wrong target. And in life we do that a lot. And it's the reason why we need a Savior. It's because we as individuals, 100% of us, we have aimed at the wrong target. You say, well, what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible calls it sin. And the true definition of sin, if you look at the word, it means this, missing the mark. That's what sin means. It means to miss the mark. And we've all done it. Every time you have lied, you've missed God's mark. Every time you've hurt somebody or I've hurt somebody, we've missed God's mark. Every time that we've been prideful, like we think we can go ahead and run our own worlds, we're the, the king of the world or the queen of the world, we have missed God's mark. Every time we're selfish with our spouse, selfish at work, selfish with our friends, we have missed God's mark. And any time we put anything before God, we've missed the mark. We've all broken the Ten Commandments. Maybe not all ten of them, but we've broken definitely one of them, and that is, thou shalt have no other God before me. And guess what? We've put money, people, things, circumstances, ourselves before him. So therefore, guess what? We have missed the mark. Our culture doesn't like this kind of conversation. And the reason why is this, is that we don't want to feel bad about ourselves. And not only that, but we want a God who doesn't measure us like that, but rather we want a God who just can be primarily a helper in our circumstances. Uh, back in the early 2000s, there was a professor at the University of Notre Dame. His name is Dr. Christian Smith. I've studied a lot about him, actually, and he was a, is and was uh, a finan or just a, a, a phenomenal individual that, that really did a study on the belief system of America in that time, especially with the younger generation, and how they viewed God. And he coined a term called uh, moralistic therapeutic deism. 
Now, that's very deep, but I'm going to break it down for us, all right? Moralistic, therapeutic deism. He said that most of the younger generation, which by the way, now it's 20 years later, this is like middle-aged individuals, kind of grew up in a culture, and also it's become more prevalent in our culture, that we see God this way. Number one, we see God as a God who exists, that basically was created, uh, created the world and ordered the world, and watches over uh, the life of us humans in this world. So kind of the idea there is a God somewhere. Secondly, God wants people to be good and nice and fair to one another. And then the third belief is the primary goal of life, they believed, is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. So again, the way that people were viewing God 20 years ago, and he's predicting into the future, is that we look at a God who basically wants us to be happy and wants us to feel good about ourselves. Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when he's needed to resolve a problem. So in other words, God's there, but I don't necessarily have much interaction with him except if I'm in crisis and then he better be the ambulance driver and come to my rescue. And then the last one is this. He said, number five, is that people believe that basically good people go to heaven when they die. Moralistic therapeutic deism. And I will say that this, uh, this professor was prophetic. Because 20 years ago, that's exactly how our culture sees God. Through the lens of moralistic therapeutic deism, you could say. And, and here's the reason why that's a problem. Because God, the God of the Bible, does not see people or put people into two categories of good and bad. Like, he doesn't look at you or me and say, we're good or we're bad. That's not the way he, he evaluates. Instead, he looks at everyone, he puts us into two categories, perfect or imperfect. Not good or bad, perfect or imperfect. And here's the reason why. Because he's God. And he's almighty, and he's powerful, and he's sinless, and he is perfect in every way. And anything that is imperfect cannot have relationship with him. Let me put it this way. By upraised hand, how many of you would say you're perfect? Well, you see, no one raises their hand. By the way, if you did, you're not perfect because you just lied, all right? <laughs> see, none of us are perfect. So then the angel came to those shepherds on that silent and holy night on the backside of a hill somewhere outside of the town of Bethlehem and said, I bring you good news. And the good news is this. It will have great joy for all people. Why all people? Because all of us fall into the category of being imperfect. None of us can measure up to perfection. None of us are God. So therefore, guess what? We needed a savior. We needed a rescuer, someone to rescue us out of our imperfection and wrong choices. And so, yes, God will help us in our circumstances. And yes, he will sometimes rescue us out of our circumstances. But his primary mission of Christmas and sending himself, his son, is to help the disconnect that has happened between us and him because of us missing the mark. In fact, it says... In the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, the trouble is that your sins have cut you off from God. That's the trouble with all of us. We've missed the mark. 
And you know what that disconnection has done? It's done this. Disconnection makes us unaware of how much God loves us. So when we have this disconnection that's caused by sin and us missing the mark, we think that God is mad at us, we think that God is distant from us, or both. Because we don't view him as a loving heavenly father, but rather instead we view him as an angry old man who floats around on a cloud somewhere in the sky. That's because of disconnection. Also, disconnection puts us in an unhealthy pursuit of meaning-making. In other words, we try to find meaning in things, in money, in intelligence or education, or we try to find meaning in science. We try to find meaning in, in relationships or maybe in, in pursuit of things, material things, whatever it is. We try to find meaning, and here's the problem, that we're designed to only find meaning from our creator, not from anything that's created And so therefore, guess what? It leaves us, number three, that disconnection makes us feel alone. It leaves us hollow on the inside. That's why when Jesus came, the prophecy hundreds of years before in the book of Isaiah says that his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, they no longer have to be alone. Then now God is with us. And so Jesus came on Christmas, and he came to rescue us and create a connection with us and God. And so later on, we know this because we celebrated at Easter is that we, uh, we celebrate the fact that he walked to a cross and he died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God, our creator. In fact, it says in John three seventeen, God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That's so important for you to hear because sometimes God is pictured as this angry, angry God. No, he did not send his son to judge and condemn the world, but rather to be its savior and rescue it. This is why we need a rescue. We need a savior. We need a miracle of Christmas to not be a holiday, but be a personal experience, right? On uh, January 26 of 2007, ABC News reported a really, really crazy story about a guy by the name of Tim Sears. And uh, Tim and a bunch of his friends had decided to go on a carnival cruise in the Gulf of Mexico for five days to blow off steam and relieve stress from their, their work and life. And so they went on this cruise, and they're cruising around, and they're, you know, having a great time. They're drinking, they're partying, they're going to the casino, they're having the time of their life. Well, one night they went to the casino, and he was drinking, Tim was drinking with his friends, and next thing before he knew it, no joke, he literally woke up or came to in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, like in the water at night. He doesn't remember how he got there. He was only having, he only had his boxer shorts on and a t-shirt. That was it. He has no idea what happened. But all of a sudden, he remembers coming to and seeing the cruise ship going away from him. You ever been in a big body of water in the middle of the night? Super pitch black. And immediately he began to panic. And he was treading water and he, for the next seven hours until sunrise, the next seven hours, he treaded water with no boat anywhere in sight. He started to become dehydrated. The sun started to beat down on him once the day came. And pretty soon, he found himself looking way on the horizon, and he would see these ships way, way off in the distance. After 14 hours, 14 hours of being in the water, he started to give up. 
He said this, he goes, I made my peace with God and I decided it was the end and I was going to see what was on the other side. So he made his peace with God and he began to sink. And as he was sinking down, about right before he took in a full gulp of water, all of a sudden there was something inside of him that said, don't do it. And he got this renewed determination and strength. And so he swam real quickly to the top. And he's like, okay, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't give up. And he began to pray. He said this, quote, he said, God, send any ship. That's literally what he said. He goes, send any ship. And for the next three hours, he just prayed that over and over again. God, send any ship. And he saw all of a sudden the ship that was in the distance. And it kind of felt like it was coming at him. But he was going to have to swim over to kind of head it off at the pass. So he began to swim over. And as the ship got closer, he took off his shirt, which was yellow, thankfully. And he began to wave it back and forth. And thankfully, someone that was on deck saw it. And they dropped a lifeboat. And they rowed out to him. And they rescued him and brought him back onto the cargo ship. And when they got him to port, they took him to a hospital. And later on, he found out... (laughs) He found out that the ship that had picked him up was a cargo ship that was a foreign ship that was going to Texas. And the name of the ship was Any, E-N-Y. True story. God had sent him any ship. Is that amazing? Had sent him any ship. And you know what that story tells me? It tells me this. At any moment, you are only one prayer away from a rescue. At any moment, you're one prayer away from a rescue. I still have a little bit more that I want to talk about, but I want to just take a moment, right in the middle of my sermon here. Some of you, you need a rescue today. Yes, from your circumstances, but more importantly, you need a rescue from yourself. Because guess what? You missed the mark. And so have I. And so has everyone that has ever prayed a prayer saying, Jesus, send me help. So I want to take a moment before I go on. And I want to really point out here, like it says in Romans, everyone who calls help, God gets help. So some of you need to do that today. So just bow your heads and close your eyes. Wherever you're at, this isn't joining a church. This is saying, God, I'm drowning drowning in my wrong choices. I'm drowning in the fact that I've missed the mark. And yes, I'm drowning in my circumstances. But I need help. So all you got to do is just pray a prayer and you, you can just pray it silently. Just something like this. Jesus, I need help. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I want to follow you you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, if you pray that prayer, can I tell you something? That's the beginning of your rescue. In fact, so much so that the Bible says that no longer are any of those wrongdoings of hitting the other targets are no longer going to be held against you, but rather your sin record is erased. And now in God's eyes, you are seen as perfect because of what Jesus did on the cross. Do you hear that? So he sees you as perfect. You're like, well, I'm not perfect. He sees you that way because Jesus made you perfect. Does that make sense? And no longer are your sins held against you. So that was awesome if you prayed that prayer. And many of us have prayed that prayer or a prayer like that, okay? 
But here's what I'm thinking. As once we are rescued, Jesus now wants us to join the rescue. See, once we have been saved, then God wants us to help as he saves others. You see, see, this is what I know, that there are literally hundreds of thousands of people in the communities that City First is located in, as well as every City First Anywhere location, as well as every God Behind Bars location, anywhere you're watching right now on the Pando app, or anywhere around the world, I know this. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are treading water, and they're about ready to drown. They're like, I'm giving up. I'm giving up because I can't find the meaning, the purpose, the hope, the joy, whatever it is. And so this is what I know. We are to be in it, in the rescue. And my question is, is this, is this is a legacy end of year offering weekend, this weekend and next. We do it over two weekends, so people have kind of like the ability to give when they, they can. But we're going to receive here a second offering, which is what we do one time a year. It's the legacy end of your offering. And this is what we're doing. We're giving so that people can be rescued. We're giving because we're joining in in God's effort to not only bring the love of Jesus, but the message of Jesus to people to be able to feed them, to clothe them, to rescue them, but most importantly, to tell them about Jesus who is the one who came at Christmas that solves our greatest need. And that is the need of disconnection that we have with our creator. So my question is, are you willing to be generous and to help others experience the rescue that you've experienced? Let's go ahead. And I want you to see something here. What happened this year in 2021 because of last Christmas's end of your offering. I want you to see what God did. I want you to see that the love of Christ has put our church into action and that, guess what? There were thousands and thousands of people who not only were helped, but also found out about Jesus. Go ahead and watch this. And I would like to invite Pastor Cameron to come up here and to share a little bit of his story. I'm so blessed and grateful and thankful for being brought up in, in this place. Around the age of 12 years old, I actually packed my bags, man, and I, I left home. And when I left, I found myself in this place. And there were some days I would ride my bike, there were some days where I'd take the bus, there were some days where I walked. And the reason why I kept coming back to this place, Pastor Jerry, is because this place became my home. The amphitheater was my living room. This auditorium was my family room. <laughs> and Stewart's was my kitchen. <laughs> you know, and I was raised by this place. I was raised by the prayers that have been in this room. And everywhere on this campus, I was raised up on them. And the sacrifices from people who never knew that they were giving. You never know, man. You never know who you're giving to. You never know where your prayers are going. You never know the kid you're blessing. You never know.
City First is and always has been a legacy church. Founded in 1929 in Rockford, Illinois, it's now having an impact not just locally, but globally. Because of your generosity, we've seen the vision accelerated as we've been able to focus on five specific areas of impact through Legacy 2021. from the Northern Illinois Food Bank, one of our partner organizations here in the Rockford region. And we also partner with Midwest Community Food Bank in Cape Coral, Florida, all for one purpose, to feed those who are hungry. And because of your generosity, City First Church, we have been able to give away nearly 2 million pounds of food, feeding over 27,000 families, which is around 116,000 individuals. So that is 1.6 million meals that we've been able to give in Illinois and in Florida. So we know that food is medicine. And so we thank you City First for all the work that you've done with us throughout the pandemic to feed families in need. We also partnered with the Rockford Rescue Mission to provide 2,000 Thanksgiving meals for the hurting and homeless in our city. Also in Cape Coral, we were able to give away 250 Thanksgiving meals to women and children at both the Act Abuse Shelter and Lifeline Family Center. At the beginning of the school year, at both the Cape Coral and the Rockford State Line areas, we collected over 2,000 backpacks filled with school supplies to give to children in need. We also were able to provide a virtual prom night called Night to Shine to young adults with special needs in our areas. The holidays can be hard for many families. So at City First, we purpose to bring the hope and joy of Jesus during the Christmas season. Last year was our first ever Christmas spectacular where over 30,000 people came to City First Church, experienced joy, and were invited to experience Christmas with us at City First. Because of your generosity, we were also able to provide 2,000 Christmas presents to under-resourced students in our local schools. It is my absolute favorite day of, of the year, and it's just because the whole day is filled with joy and love. So many of our families are living through traumas. Our students are faced with adult realities when they are five or eight or 10 years old. And today is a day where all of that goes away. They just get to be a child again. So all the work that you guys put into it, all the donations, all the wrapping, just all the love that was wrapped into those presents, we are eternally grateful. Thank you. We believe the church is the hope of the world. And one of my favorite partner organizations is Convoy of Hope, which offers help and hope to those who are impoverished, hungry, and hurting. Hi, this is John French with Convoy of Hope. We wanna say thank you to the City First Legacy team. Because of our united act of compassion, we've fed 387,000 children every school day in 17 different countries. We've reached over 26,000 women and girls around the world through women's empowerment efforts. And we have responded to more than 480 disasters worldwide with more than 500,000 people served and approximately 7 million meals distributed. Thank you again for your kindness. Together, we are showing millions of people the love of Jesus. 
At City First, we are committed to do everything we can in the fight against human trafficking. We partner with Zoe International on a global level to rescue individuals out of human trafficking, provide aftercare and safety, all while sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Zoe has a 99% success rate, and what started in Thailand has now expanded to Japan, Mexico, Australia, and even the USA. The 2016 Original Women's Conference uh, was amazing and the ladies there sponsored all the children plus an additional 202 children from the Burkina area. And to date, the amount of children that have been sponsored is 1,378. We just wanted to take an opportunity to thank you for leaving a legacy and for being the hands and feet of Jesus. Because of your generosity, the reach for Jesus literally spans the globe as we are able to support missionaries in Indonesia, Haiti, Cambodia, Mexico, Thailand, Convoy of Hope Europe, and Ecuador. Hello, City First Church. We are Joshua and Carrie Woolley, your missionaries to the Andes Mountains of Ecuador. Thank you for your continued generosity to us and to our family, to our call. It literally would not be possible. The last four years that we've been on the field, it would not be possible without your support. We are mm -hmm. so thankful for you. Yeah. Thank you for who you are. You just heard from Josh and Carrie, who are alumni of the City First Leadership College. One of the greatest investments we can make is to train and equip young leaders to change the world for Christ. Currently, there are worship pastors, youth pastors, and senior pastors who are alumni from CFLC serving in Michigan, Massachusetts, Florida, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, California, and around the globe. Now more than ever, we see the importance and urgency of raising up young adults to impact the world for Jesus. It's amazing to see our church online family growing and expanding week after week, reaching people in 45 states, 60 countries, and 700,000 people experiencing City First Church this year alone. My name is Shalu O'Brien. I live in Belize, and I'm a part of the, the City First family. I mean, that's how I feel. I, I feel like City First has allowed me to just grow in my faith even so far away, like thousands of miles away, I'm able to tune in every week. So I'm just continuing to grow in my journey and, and I just thank this whole city first, Pastor Jen, Pastor Jeremy. It's, it's like a family that I'm just meeting. I'm just thankful. I'm just so thankful. Through the recent launch of the Pando app, our partnership with God Behind Bars has expanded past our physical locations of Hardy and Dixon Correctional Centers. Since its launch in February of this year, 141,765 inmates have heard the good news of Jesus through City First Church. In 2021, across all of our locations, 1,656 people have made a decision to follow Jesus and make Him the leader and the forgiver of their lives. And we believe this church that God is just getting started. The vision of City First Church through the efforts of legacy has always been about the one, making room for one 
more. And so we will continue to expand our reach to offer our obedience and resources so that more people can experience hope, more hungry people can be fed, and more people can hear the good news of Jesus. So church, let's partner with God to build a legacy for Him brick by brick, changing the world one life at a time. Oh, come on, you put your hands together. That is phenomenal what God has done. That is phenomenal what God has done. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, man. Well, you may go ahead and quickly find a seat, but an important, sacred, and solemn moment needs to take place before we end today's service. Like I said, today is a legacy end-of-year giving Sunday. We do it every year. And you can give this Sunday, or you can give next Sunday, or anywhere in between. But every penny of what we are about ready to give goes to help people that are right now treading water in circumstances and in their wrong choices, and they are feeling like they're drowning some people are in circumstances they didn't sign up for some people have created their circumstances regardless they need jesus and what just we just saw was amazing that took place in 2021 but that was last year i mean i know we're still in it but that's the last 365 days now we need to give for the next 365 days there are people to feed, people to clothe. There are churches that need to be built, missionaries that need to be sent, people that need to be rescued from human trafficking. There is so much that needs to happen. And so I'm asking for all of us to join together and let's give our first and our best gift of the Christmas season to Jesus. The reason why is because God so loved the world that he gave. And when we love God, the love of Jesus moves us to action and so you saw on the seat back and you know on the seat when you walked in if you're in a physical location one of these these legacy um, booklets if if you're online you can get it um, on our app and you could see it but on the very back page and in front of it is all the statistics of where your generosity was invested but on the very back page, there's a way that you could give through a QR code if you want to do that online. Otherwise, if you're in a physical location, we're going to take a moment here. We're going to pass the offering buckets and we're going to give. But you know what I want us to do? I want us to give irrationally today. You say, really? Yeah. I want us to give more. You know, Jen and I this week, we, we prayed. We're like, okay, what's the amount? And I had a number in my mind. And then she goes, well, what's... What, what do you think? And I go, no, you go first, ladies first. And she told me her number, and it was a higher number than mine. It always is a higher number than mine. So we went with her number. And here's the reason why. It's because what we're about ready to do here is not just giving in an offering, but rather what we're about ready to do here is we are partnering with God to change the eternities of people, that we are about ready to store up treasures in heaven, that we're about ready to give our first and best gift, and we're about ready to give the love of Jesus and most importantly, the message of Jesus to people who desperately need it that are treading water right now. 
So I'm just going to ask us all to give, and we could all give something. It's not equal giving, but it should be equal sacrifice. And that we give back and we say, God, we want to make a difference that outlasts any material item that we're going to get this month under the tree. Instead, we're going to give to something that is a treasure that lasts for all eternity, and that's people. That's people. Someday, when we're in heaven, we're going to be so glad that we did this. Because when everything else is passed away, there's going to be people there that are going to say, thank you for your generosity. Because it was you who gave. I now am here in eternity with you. So let's partner with God. Let me pray, and then we'll go ahead and give, and then I'll come back up here after this song, and I'll dismiss us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that we would give today that we would give with excitement for what you're going to do in 2022. Thousands of people are going to be reached. Heaven is going to become more crowded. People are going to be fed. Individuals are going to be rescued. Churches are going to be planted. The gospel is going to spread. So Lord, I pray that today, as we give, we would realize in a good way the gravity of this moment and our hearts would be full that we get to do this. What an honor. What a privilege. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless every single gift. Bless every single giver. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and give, and then I'll come back up and dismiss.
thank you, Jesus. We give a praise offering along with our offering because we know that thousands and thousands and thousands of people's lives are going to be impacted by what we just did. So, Lord, we pray for 2022. We pray that your presence, that your saving presence would spread from this place around the world that many would find hope in you, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.